You're listening to New Spring Radio with Hector Velarde, pastor of Calvary New Spring Church in San Antonio, Texas. So many come to church seeking the miracle and not the message. You know, it's like solve my problems. I don't care about anything else, just solve my problems. And we get it backwards. You know, we want miracles, but we don't necessarily want message. But here's here's the thing, and here's what we got to understand, that the greatest miracle that Jesus will ever do will be to die on the cross on our behalf. Early on in Jesus' ministry, we see that there was usually a large crowd following him. There's no way we can know for sure everyone's intention, but there were some who were only there for the miracles that he performed. In today's message, Pastor Hector will be talking about the importance of the message and not just the miracle. There's nothing wrong with desiring the Lord to do a miraculous work in our lives. However, Jesus came first to give us spiritual health and salvation. Everything else is secondary. Now. Here's Pastor Hector in the book of Mark chapter 1 as he begins his message, A Call to Follow. It's Mark chapter 1. We're just going to continue where we left off last week. We're going to see verses 14 through 20 today in a message that I have titled, A Call to Follow. So, A Call to Follow, Mark 1, 14 through 20. Let's do this. Let's let's read it together. What do you guys say? Let's. Um, I, I'm just kind of going with the flow. So let's let's read it. It's 14 through 20. It says, "Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel.'" And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Lord, This is your word. We believe that it has something for each one of us. So regardless of the age, Lord, I believe there's something we can take away. And so, Lord, would you do that today? We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to be our teacher, our instructor, Lord, today. We love you. We thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you remember up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, we have seen a story being set up for for what we are about to see today. So there's the first few verses that we've seen. It's Remember, I said it's kind of like the introduction to a movie. It's the plot is being set. We're being introduced to the people, the characters of the story. And that's going on because up to now, we've seen some really incredible things and, and neat stories. But you got to know that the gospel's focus or the good news, the focus of the good news is not about John the Baptist clearing the way. Like it's a good part of it, and we need John the Baptist clearing the way, but that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is not focused or centered around Jesus being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important, and it happened, and we've studied it, but that's not the focus. 
The gospel is not centered around Christ's triumph over temptation. We saw that last week, and it's a good thing, right? And we like it, and we learn from it, but that's not the focus of the gospel. The gospel, the good news as it is, is all about what we're going to see today. And finally, finally, we see Jesus doing what Jesus came to do, and it's to teach and to preach. Now, I know you're going to say, well, no, he, he ultimately, he came to give his life as a ransom for many, and, and he did, and that is the ultimate goal, but, but first he had to preach and he had to teach it. He had to tell us what it is that we are doing or what he was going to do and what we are repenting of and believing in. So I counted in this book of Mark at least 12, I think there might be even 14 times where Jesus is going to preach and teach or Jesus is going to preach or teach. And so we're going to see that every time he goes to a new city, he's going to preach. He's going to teach. Now he's going to do other things and, and he's going to do some miracles, but Jesus came to preach. Jesus came to teach. That word preach in its original language, the Greek, means to publish or to proclaim something. Th think of like a herald that kind of, kind of gives out a message. And that's what a, a preacher does while the word teach or a teacher is, is simply to speak authoritatively about a subject in order to instruct. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he was a herald of a message, and then he also taught people the word of God. And I have to be honest with you, in, in a time where, where so many things crowd the headlines, and there's just so many things that are like, that, that we can go to, that I can choose to speak on or to get involved with, I'm glad to have Jesus' example of what I am really to do. My call as a pastor, I think anyways, you can correct me later if you think it's, I'm wrong, but I think that my call as a pastor is to proclaim the good news and to expound and explain what the Bible text says. Like, that's what God has called me to do. And you know what? I've just decided to keep the main thing the main thing. Some pastors that I highly esteem and that I respect have given over the last few weeks their viewpoint via video or audio or even just in text of some of the current events only to divide instead of to unite. Now, great viewpoints, viewpoints that, that quite frankly I agree with, but that's what happened. Now, their intention was not to divide, their intention was to unite, but you know, we're living in a time and a place where people will make a decision about you on whether your viewpoint aligns with theirs. If my viewpoint is not like yours, then they just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And I mean, I've seen posts where pastors where people, congregants, people who go to their church saying, well, that was the last Sunday that I'll join you just because their viewpoint was different. And I, I've just decided personally, and you, if you are friends with me on social media, you'll notice that I'm just not involved in it. I have opinions but I'm just not involved with it. I've decided that instead, I, I've just purposed in my heart to do as Jesus does here. And as really as the early church did in the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you notice that they devoted themselves wholeheartedly to what? Prayer and the ministry of the word. 
that that's instead of like the serving the tables, remember that? They and it was Acts chapter six where they they just grew to a point where they were doing a lot of things and there's things happening and there's that quarrel between remember the 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 proselyte women and the other ones and it's like, hey, we're gonna devote ourselves to these things. This is what's important. And other people can do that. And if you do that, that's fine, that's your prerogative, but I'm just gonna follow what Jesus does here. And that being said, if Jesus' call was to preach, to teach, and to give his life as a ransom for many, then what are we to do? I mean, that's what Jesus did, but what are we to do? Well, not, not we as like the pastors, but we as like the people, us, the church. And I think that question is going to be answered today as we'll find out what we're supposed to do. For you see, after Jesus' call, we will see him calling others to join him. And so that's, in fact, that's how we're going to divide our text today. If you take notes, it's just going to be two parts, his call and his calling. So his call is verses 14 and 15, and then I'll, and I'll explain that in a minute. And then his calling, because it's different. It's kind of a play on words, but it's different. And so that's going to be verses 16 through 20. So his call, 14, 15, his calling, 16 through 20. And so let's, let's look at it real quick. Let's, let's go through his call in verse 14, 15. I'm going to read. You can follow along. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus' call, it's right here. And when I, I use that word call, I'm not using it as like a summoning because, and later he'll do that, but it's not like I, I'm, he's calling you, he's summoning you to do something, but more as the verb that means to announce or to maybe to read out loud. A call, you know, I'm, I'm, it's the call that he has. And in other words, what, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what he is calling others to do. It's important to notice when this took place. Look, look at that first phrase. It says, now after John was put in prison. Now, the details of that, if you don't know the story, you're going to find them and you can jot it down. We're going to see that in chapter 6. So when we get to John chapter 6, we'll see the details of why John was put into prison. It doesn't tell us here. It just it gives us that little phrase to give us an idea of when this took place. And what we do know is that some time has passed since the last verse we saw, which was verse 13, since the temptation. So remember I told you it's like an action movie and it just kind of goes from scene to scene. So what Mark does is that he skips an entire section of Jesus's ministry. It's the Judean ministry, the time that Jesus spent in Judea before getting back to Galilee where we see him today. So if you want the reference to, well, what did Jesus do in, during that early Judean ministry, you can, you can jot down John chapter 1, and, and it's going to be somewhere between, I think, verse 35 of, verse of John chapter 1 to like chapter 4. So John 1 to 4, pretty much all of it, is Jesus's time prior to what we're reading today. And so in that time, you'll see that he's going to interact with those who would be his disciples. In fact, he's going to see the guys that these guys that he's talking to, that he's calling today, he will have already met. They have already made contact. They know who Jesus is. And that's going to play into our story here in a little bit. 
But it's also during that time that Jesus will perform his first miracle, which is, remember, that water to wine in Cana? It's, it's that also. It's during that time. Jesus will have that beautiful conversation with Nick at night. Remember Nicodemus when he comes at night? And, and that whole exchange, and that's where we get John 3.16, all that beautiful interaction with Nicodemus, all that happens prior to what we're reading today. Everything I just mentioned, and then also that great story, remember the Samaritan woman at the well? That's happening as Jesus is walking back to Galilee where we see him in our text today. So not only that, but also John being put in prison. And unfortunately, John will not get out of jail alive. And so the entire focus of the book of Mark now shifts. And now we see that it's Jesus and this call of his. We're going to no longer really, other than in chapter six, where it's going to tell us a story of John, we're not going to really hear about John anymore. He was just the messenger, remember? The guy who was going to clear the way, and now we get to experience the life of Jesus. What would Jesus do? So look at that call with me. It's verse 14. It says, Jesus came, after it tells us when, he came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Galilee is just a region. It's not a city north of Jerusalem. It's said to have contained more than 200 villages in the entire region of Galilee. Not only that, but it had probably a population of around 3 million people. We don't have exact numbers, but that's what it is said. It's a large area, and that's where Jesus decides to spend most of his time. Most of Jesus' ministry happened in the area of Galilee, in the north. Not a lot of it took place in in the area of Jerusalem or Judea. Notice, though, the first thing that he did. I I already touched on it, but notice what it says. He preached. He preached. Oh, of course, he's going to perform a myriad of miracles. He already did. The water to wine in Cana. He's going to engage with in conversation with the religious leaders. But first and foremost, and we cannot forget this, Jesus was a herald of the gospel. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was not one, get this, he was not one who did miracles and preached. No, it it was the opposite. Jesus was one who preached, but also did miracles. Now, why do I point that out? Well, only because so many come to church seeking the miracle and not the message. You know, it's like solve my problems. I don't care about anything else, just solve my problems. And we get it backwards. You know, we want miracles, but we don't necessarily want message. But here's here's the thing, and here's what we got to understand, that the greatest miracle that Jesus will ever do will be to die on the cross on our behalf. And, And to me, that is enough. And that was his message. Like that's what he's preparing everybody for. It's interesting. My wife had a conversation with the lady yesterday from back in Mexico who was just like, why did he have to die on the cross? Like just didn't understand some of the basics of that. You know, in so many times, and I can tell you that maybe in this case in particular, it's like we want the miracle, but not necessarily willing to take the time to understand the message. 
And so thus, Jesus always, he always comes, you'll notice, he always preaches first, teaches first, and then those things follow. And I'm not sure if I'm speaking to someone listening today or if this may be a popular thing to say, but I just want to encourage you to seek first his message and then let the miracles fall where they may. Just, just seek first his message and then let's see what happens there after. I have to say also as a pastor, this verse encourages me tremendously because when things get cloudy in my life, when, when I find myself kind of busying up my ministry life, the Lord always reminds me to get back to what he's called me to do. You prepare, you teach the word. Turn off the television, get off the news, right? The current events and just spend your time preparing the word. And so that's what Jesus did. That's what I'm going to do. And notice that Jesus is back in the area of Galilee, as I said. He's preaching. And now look at what he was preaching. Verse 15, it says, A time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I, I want to draw your attention to that phrase, the time is fulfilled. The Greeks kind of had a two words for the word time. One of them was chronos, which is the Greek word chronos, which we use as time. Like if you say, what time is it? You ask somebody, that's chronos. And then you look at your watch and you say, well, it's 11 o'clock. But there's another word that they used and it was kairos. And kairos is simply means a fixed, an opportune, a definite time. Like it's a point in time. That's the word that he's using here. Jesus is saying the following. This is huge. The, the time is fulfilled. What Jesus, in essence, is saying is that after 400 years of silence, the kairos, the appointed time has arrived when God has said, go for it. Go for it. Pre present yourself. Go and save our people. This is the moment. It's the opportune time to say what? What he says here, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, remember John the Baptist preached what? Repentance. John the gospel preaches repentance, but Jesus here now adds the believe part. It does you no good to repent, but have nothing to believe in. Why repent then? You have to repent and then believe in something. So Jesus' message, it's really simple. It's repent. It's do a 180. So he involves what John the Baptist had said. You're going this way. That's not the right way. You've been separate from me, from me for over 400 years. You've done your own thing. You've been enslaved to other people. Now is the time for you to repent, to get on your knees, to ask for forgiveness. Do a 180 and then believe. What does believe mean? It just simply means to put your faith in something. That's it. Just it, it's repent and then put your faith in something. Well, what is that something? It, it tells us right here, the gospel and believe in the gospel. It's really what we celebrate today. It's that Jesus came, that God would send his son to live among us, to die in our place and to take our sin upon himself. That's the gospel. And that's what we place our belief in. It's not in doing a series of things. It's not in, in obeying certain laws. Or It's just simply trusting and believing, Lord, I can't save myself. And the route apart from you is an eternity apart from you. 
And so there's a choice. We could either spend our eternity, once we breathe our last here, in the presence of the Lord by way of the blood of Jesus, what he did, that's like the only option. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No men come to the Father but by me. Like, that's it. And, and it's, it sounds narrow, but it's really, I mean, it's open to everybody. So it's one way to do it, but it's open to everybody. But the other option is that you spend an eternity when you breathe your last here apart from him. Like forever. You know, you guys remember the movie? Or is everybody too young for that? Forever. So it, that, that's, that's what it is. That, that is the great news. That's the gospel. That will be Jesus's call. That's, we're going to see that that's what he is going to be proclaiming. That's what he is going to announce from this point forward until the end of the book, till we get, till he breathes his last. That's going to be his call. Now, coupled with that call is a calling of people. And that calling, that word now, we can kind of use it as a summoning. That's where I kind of grab that. It's the, the summoning of the people. So his call was specific, and now it's the summoning. Jesus' ministry will only last a little over three years. Like, that's how long he's going to be proclaiming this and preaching and teaching. But after that, the plan, you got to get this, the plan has always been that sheep beget sheep. Like, that's how it works. You take the gospel and you go and you share it with somebody else. This is how it's supposed to look. You come to the Lord, you repent, and then you believe. You place your faith and your trust in what Jesus has done for you, and then you go live a life that exudes Christ that attracts others. That like when people are around you, they're like, why are you different? What is going on? Why do none of these things phase you? Not that you're like ignorant of it or not that it doesn't sadden your heart. The other day with all that's been going on, I just woke up with a sad heart. Like I just can't believe that one, what happened, but, but two, everything that's happened thereafter. Like I was sad. And it's not that we don't do that, but we have a hope. And, and may our neighbors, may those that we come in contact with, our coworkers, see that for us, yes, we feel emotion too, but we also have hope. And that's what the world needs. And so sheep beget sheep. And in order for that to happen, Jesus had to find people to carry that message through so that it would reach us People who would simply be, I, I like to use that word, a conduit, a, just a, a conduit, a channel for the gospel. They were just carrying it. They had nothing to do with it. In fact, most of us are unworthy vessels, unworthy servants, right? But yet God entrusts us with that message. As, as marred and as imperfect as we are, the Lord said, here is my message. You go, because it doesn't, it's not about you. It's about the message. And so when you take an imperfect person with a perfect message and you couple those two things together, the only thing that's going to come forth is what? The message, not the messenger. It's like, man, it's in spite of me that I get to teach and I get to tell you and I get to proclaim these things to you. But he's got to find people, and that's where our second division comes in. Look at, direct kind of your attention to his calling in verse 16. I'm going to read 16 through 20, and then we'll break it down. And it says the following. It says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, 
He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to him, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in a boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their net. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. This is that famous account of that famous verse that you've heard before. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. The book of Mark is one of four gospel books in the New Testament. It gives you a unique perspective from Mark's writings that may include things the other three books don't. For example, in Mark, it frequently mentions Jesus being on the move. He was intentional during his three years of ministry and didn't waste any time. He was purposeful in what he did. Jesus knew his time was limited before things with the religious leaders would get to a boiling point. So he wanted to reach as many lost people as possible during those years of ministry. Do you sense a limited amount of time to reach people in this day and age? There isn't an endless amount of time before Jesus returns. Many people are lost in the world and need a savior. You could be God's messenger to the people around you. There should be a sense of urgency to tell people about Jesus. At some point, it'll be too late. And that neighbor or friend really needs to know Jesus. We trust this time you spent in the Word today has been fruitful here at New Spring Radio. Our desire is for you to grow in your love and knowledge of God's Word. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from the book of Mark, feel free to find them at calvarynewspring.com. Just look under the Messages tab. If you'd like to get to know Pastor Hector a little more, you can find information about him on our website too, calvarynewspring.com. That's all the time we have for today's edition. But come back to hear more from Pastor Hector in the book of Mark on New Spring Radio.